The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. I just finished interviewing Diane Calderon. I knew it was going to be a great show, but she told stories that knocked my socks off right to the very end. I know you won't want to miss the story that wraps this whole thing up that just puts the icing on the cake of these beautiful stories of the afterlife that she tells throughout this great interview to let all of us know that love never dies. Watch this now. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Messages of Hope. If you love miracles and stories about the afterlife and coming to know that our loved ones who have passed are still right here, that's what you're going to get today. My guest is Diane Calderon, a friend of mine. I know she's been in some of my classes, now a medium and intuitive, and you'll hear all about her. But she's also a shining light mom. You know that term? That's our positive term. It's way better than saying a bereaved parent. We'll talk about why we use that term as we go through the show, but I don't want to delay in bringing Diane onto the program. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you very much, Suzanne. I appreciate this opportunity to share with you um, my story and my path. Uh, I've come a long way since we first met, and uh, I, I just enjoy talking about where I've been and, and where I'm heading. So thank you for this opportunity. You're welcome. We're, we're going to definitely dive into that. I was talking to my husband, Ty, this morning, and uh, I said, you remember, Diane, she's the one that gave you that that uh, red T-shirt that says, old guys rule. You remember that? I do. <laughs> he still wears that T-shirt. And every time he does, I think of you from Sedona with with the dust of the red rock, you still live in Arizona, right? I sure do. I'm still a stone's throw away from Sedona. So Okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I just did a podcast with Suzanne Ross, who uh, is also near Sedona. So mm-hmm. cool. Well, we want to dive right into your story. And it's based on, well, actually, I have that wrong. You have a new book. And the new book is based on your story. That's what I'm trying to say. So why don't we begin just by sharing the title of your book, and then you just start where you feel guided to start about telling the story it tells. Okay, I will do a quick show and tell. This is the title of my book, Living and Loving Life All Day, Every Day. This book is basically the story of my life's transformation from struggling as a caregiver for my husband at a very difficult and challenging time in my life, and then having to face the tragedy of losing my only son in an unanticipated uh, accident um, at a time when I really needed him the most. But in losing my son, he came through immediately with a sign that he was alive and well in the spirit world. It did take me a a day to figure it out that that was him. But when I did, um, it led me on a a new journey. It helped me go through the struggles that I was dealing with, with my husband and dealing with the loss of my son. Eventually, it led me to learning about the afterlife and spirit communications including signs from spirit, um, getting to meet a lot of incredible people, interact on many different levels with people who do tune into spirit and learning how to do this myself. So my son's death has led me on an incredible journey from grieving and, and going through a loss and tragedy into being the person I am today. I feel joy. 
I do try to live up to the title of the book, to live and love life all day, every day. And all of this came about because of my son and the miraculous signs that he started sending me. Yeah, we're going to we're going to be talking about some of those signs. I, I've learned as an author, it's OK to tell things that are in the book, that it doesn't mean people won't go out and get the book because you told those things. It actually makes us want to read the book more. But I believe if I recall, because I've read your book cover to cover, that the title came from something that Matthew used to say or something he wrote. Am I correct right. on that? No, that's where the title came from. Um, you know, I I wrote the book. I had it just about at the finishing stages, but I had been stumped on what title to use. I had written maybe a hundred different ideas, and none of them really resonated with me. So uh, I had somebody working with me on, um, you know, finalizing this book, getting it ready to publish, and he read it, and he called and said, "Ah, your title is in the book." And what I had written in the book was what had happened uh, when Matthew had died. Uh, the day he had died, he had called me and was applying for a job. And the job was to be a part-time assistant brewer at a little brew pub uh, down the street from where he lived. And um, just something to fill in, make some bucks while he was working on his contractor's license. And he had asked me, Mom, uh, what should I put down as my job qualifications? And smart aleck that i am i said well uh that you like to drink beer and we <laughs> laughed <laughs> then um i didn't hear anything more about it uh i did know that he had gone to that location on the night prior to his death so he had gone in i had assumed he had the application with him but sometime later after he had died i'm going through his papers and i find this application and um I thought that was unusual. He did not turn it in, but here it is in my hands. And I was reading through it, knowing that these were the last words he had probably written in his life. Wow. Um, the part that said, what are your qualifications for the job? Matthew wrote, living and loving life all day, every day. Oh, this bump says you said it, Diane. I mean, qualifications for working in a brew cub, brew pub. Living and loving life all day, every day. Doesn't that just tell you something about his heart, everybody? Yeah. And and was he always like that? Did he live up to that? Or where did he learn to have that attitude? Where did that come from? I would say that 90% of Matthew, he lived up to that phrase. Uh, you know, he had his moments where life could get tough and things didn't work out the way he had hoped. And he'd have some down periods. But in general, almost all of the time, he was upbeat. He was always looking towards life as something to be embraced and held. He had um, a generous heart. He interacted with people on all different levels and backgrounds and got along well with anyone he met. I, I can't think of anyone who would have looked at Matthew and said, oh, I don't like that guy. He mm. just was that kind of a person. So, yeah, I'd say that that really exemplified his life. Nice. Beautiful. So let's back up to you said how you were dealing with your husband Sal's uh, challenges. The, the passing of any loved one is challenging. The passing of a child is very challenging. And yet you had, I would say, compounded challenges why don't you tell us what life was like with Sal? Sal, in 2011, uh, had a little stroke called a TIA, and that began a, a decline. It was gradual at first, but then things sped up. By the end of 2013, he had been diagnosed with Lewy body dementia, and it had signs of Parkinson's symptoms. So he had some troubles walking, had some trouble seeing, and he was beginning to lose himself in his own world. Uh, I was having a lot of episodes um, in later 2013 where he didn't know who he was or didn't know who I was. He didn't know where he was. Um, he would at times explode at me like, who are you? Are you trying to kill me? Uh, I would be driving in the car and he would just flip out and try to jump out. Uh, very, very... Uh, challenging times yeah. yeah 
And um, in early 2014, as we entered the new year, Sal's decline was much more of a challenge. I can't say every day he was, what do we say, off his rocker, but most days. Uh, he might start the morning okay, but by late afternoon, he would be out in his own little world, and I would have to keep a close eye on him. Uh, and during this time, Matthew was living down in the Phoenix area, two hours from where I live. And he would come up when he had his days off and help me with Sal or just sit and daddy sit, I guess you could call it. So I could run into town and get groceries and take care of any little errands to run because I could no longer take Sal with me. It wasn't safe to take him anywhere in the car. But so, you had um, to give up your job for that. Is that right? To be a full-time caregiver? I was a full-time caregiver. Uh, fortunately, I had actually retired from federal government service uh, a year or two before Sal's decline. So I didn't have to give up any job. I was home and I was able to, you know, see the signs as they were coming and then take care of him as needed. So I was in a good position for being here for him. Okay. So is this is the, this is the setting for what you're going through when Matthew passed. Would you take us back to what happened or how you got the call? Tell us just what unfolded in your life around that time when you're in the throes of living with an unpredictable husband and can't really leave him alone. Okay. Um, the day I got the call uh, was an unusual morning. I, I got up early and um, it was it was just kind of a pleasant day. It felt like everything was going to be okay for maybe a little while. And I got Salah, got him to the table, as was my routine, and got him his little coffee and something to eat. And then I would jump in the car and drive down to the highway, which is about a mile away, to pick up the morning newspaper and then come on back. And we could sit at the table for a while and go through the news and start uh, our morning. Uh, as I was driving down the road that day, uh, something unusual occurred a flock of bluebirds came flying across the field and followed my car up to the highway. As we're driving, or I'm driving, and I'm noticing these birds flying with me, I thought, wow, that's unusual. I never see bluebirds here. And my mind, you know, monkey brain goes off to, oh, bluebirds, you know, like when my son was little and he would sing Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. And I replayed that really? memory in my head. Yeah. Um, picked up the paper. I'm coming back up the road. Now I'm thinking about that song over the rainbow where the bluebirds fly. Don't know why that popped in, but it did. <laughs> get back home, come in the house. Sal was, you know, doing fine. I get him, you know, whatever else he needed. We sat at the table. A little while later, I get a phone call <laughs> and um, picked up the phone, noticed it was a call from Phoenix. I thought it might be Matt because he was due up that morning. And uh, sometimes he would lose his cell phone and borrow a friend's. So I saw a Phoenix call, said hello, and it was not Matthew's voice. It was a detective from the Phoenix Police Department asking if I knew Matthew. And my heart just sank because I knew that the police don't call you if your kid just got in trouble or, you know, they're sitting a night in jail. They're calling you for the bigger stuff. Um, I, I was shaken. The detective explained that Matthew had been hit by a car the night before and had died um, pretty much instantly. Um, I was able to keep my composure long enough to get a few details because I knew once I hung up, I wouldn't have the capacity to follow through on anything. I just needed some details. The detective gave me, you know, what had happened. Matthew was hit as he was crossing a street. Um, the detective said um, that the fellow who hit him, it was a hit and run, but about an hour later, the fellow called the police and turned himself in. Uh, Matthew apparently was heading to the local park in his neighborhood with his dog to take her to the dog park. And the detective had said, well, did he have a dog? Because we went to his house and there's a dog out in the front. So, um, you know, <laughs> it shook me up a lot. Um, got that those details, um, hung up, just about fell apart, had to go in and tell Sal. Um, Sal was sitting in his chair and I pulled him up, you know, aside and I said, Sal, 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 
Matthew is dead. He got hit by a car. Matthew is dead. And the best Sal could do at that moment was tap my head and say, oh, I'm sorry. And that's what I got from him. He was Matthew just his biological son. Connected. Uh, no, Matthew was his son from basically from birth. I had Matthew when Matthew was born, Sal was already entering our life. So but yeah. it was not his biological. So he had raised Matthew from infancy. Yeah. But but no so, awareness and no comfort to you. How difficult. No, that that was a challenge, uh, <laughs> definitely. And it, that was heartbreaking, too. It's like I've lost my son and I've really lost my husband. And these two aren't connecting here. He's he's just lost. As am I. Wow. All right. So what is the what is the best segue here? We could we don't want to to drag through the, the the heartbreak. And I know the you talk about this in the book, but you you don't wallow in it in the book, which I love because I was reading again all of the testimonials about the book and they, they say how uplifting it is. Because you you get into the purpose of the book is to let people know that you eventually found out that Matthew's still with you. And do you want to get get to the the miracle part or where do you want to go? Yeah, because the miracle part is really the next thing that happened on that day that I got the call, or I should say by the end of that day. Um, because between the call and you know, trying to tell Sal, I had to make phone calls with the family and the friends and start figuring out arrangements and take care of Sal. So that evening I had him, you know, in bed, he was quiet. I was sitting at the dining room table waiting for my sisters to come in. They lived in other States. They were flying in to help me. And I'm sitting there thinking about the events of the previous days, including that one. Um, and in one of them, I remembered talking to Matthew about um, a really deep, soulful discussion several days before when he was at the house and in this discussion talking about you know my ideas on religion and spirituality and a little bit of his it popped into my head to say to him man you know if one of us dies and i'll probably be the first one to go but hey if it's you um we have to promise that we will come and send the other person a sign Wow. And he said, oh, well, gee, mom. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll do that. That's so we made this promise. Just, uh, an, an accident that you had this talk just shortly beforehand? You know, looking back, I don't think it was an accident. I think it was a setup by spirit that this okay. talk emerged. It it just, I can have no other explanation and, than and it was meant to be. No other explanation. Moment. I call those NOEs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. NOEs. So I'm sitting there and I'm replaying this in my head and it's like, darn it, Matt, we had this promise and you were supposed to come and give me a sign. Why didn't you? And then boom, I remembered. I remembered what had happened the night before. Now, when I had talked to the police detective earlier in the day, I did ask about what time did this accident occur and he said it was at about 7 p.m. So let's go back the day before at 7 p.m. I'm sitting on the sofa. My husband is near me. There's a program that's starting on the television that we were going to watch. And I'm sitting there a little bored because, you know, it's taking time to start. And I saw in front of my face, no further than, you know, 15 inches perhaps arm's length, sparkling lights. Hmm. A little cluster of lights were sparkling in front of my face, different colors. And they appeared and they sparkled for just, I don't know, two, three, four seconds. I mean, I didn't time it, but it was just like, whoa, what's that? And then they disappeared. Hmm. I looked over at Sal and wondered, did he see those two? But he's staring ahead at the TV and they appeared in front of him, just yeah. as they had in front of me. Looking at him, he's staring at the TV. He does not see these lights. Huh. They disappear. I'm sitting there going, okay, am I losing it like him? That won't be good with both of us are out in another world. 
Alrighty then. I look ahead, pondering what that meant. They showed again in front of my face, but this time they moved over to my left. I love that. Over. So this is not just an, an optical illusion that you're seeing perhaps inside your head. Now you're they're going like this, right? Right. And what time of purpose? This was at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The program we wanted to watch was we turned it on. It was starting at 7 p.m. So Ooh, we had I'm just so turned it on. <laughs> right. Yeah. So these lights, they kind of floated over and I'm watching them and they go over to my left and then they disappeared. And I'm like, whoa, what was that? I looked down on the coffee table to my side and there was an Edgar Casey book sitting there. I picked it up thinking, oh, look at that. Oh, Sal must have picked it up from the, the room where we have all our books and had dropped it there. He would often carry things and just drop them. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, wait, Matthew's coming tomorrow. And we just had this discussion a few days ago where I told him that I was certain that he had chosen me as his mother. I wasn't sure why I had that idea in my head. It's something I've always believed. Well, at least since he was born, that he had a choice in making me his mom. I couldn't remember where I got it from. But I'm holding this Casey book and it's like, well, wait, it's from Edgar Casey. It's something Edgar Casey had said. I read this a long time ago. That we choose open, parents. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I opened that book and bingo, right on the page where Casey is talking about how the little souls up in heaven are choosing their parents. I couldn't believe it. I forgot about the lights. I'm now focused on this Edgar Casey story. I'm reading it. I'm ignoring the program on the television. And you had just and had I, a conversation with Matthew days before. The other day. Yeah. Oh. So I'm like, okay, when Matt comes tomorrow, I'm putting my bookmark in here. When he comes tomorrow, I am going to show him this is where I got my idea from. Hmm. So I was pretty excited and then kind of forgot about the lights, didn't think about them until 24 hours later when I am sitting there saying, Matt, why didn't you send me a sign? Oh, you did. There it was. I'm telling you, Suzanne, that realization hit me like a Mack truck. Mm. I then knew that my son was alive and well and fine. And he had followed through on his promise. He had sent me that sign. That was him. That was his energetic. Oh, I don't know what it is, what the soul can bring as little energetic lights, that was his way of letting me know he was fine. It was at that point where he had died. There he is in my house, letting me know that he is fine. And that's what helped me move forward, move through the next two weeks, which were something I never dreamed I would have to go through and then beyond. Kept coming back to that, that miracle sign. Boy, you know, spirit has a way of letting us know what we need to know and giving us experiences and that is a beautiful one wow throughout history dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success join creative artist valerie june aisha ophelia jacqueline suskin and sarah walco for the power of radical imagination a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. So I hear that story and I know that was Matthew's light body coming to you. That was him. Is that your understanding or feeling as well? Absolutely. Yeah, not Absolutely. an angel, of, not a, not another messenger. That was him. That's how that feels. That was Matthew. That wow. was Matthew. Wow. Have you seen those lights since? I have not seen them in that particular cluster. I, at times, will see a sparkle here and a sparkle there. And I just acknowledge that it is Matthew. And it also could be others that I have in spirit. And I'll say, well, thanks. It's nice to see you. But never to that degree. It'll be more like just a brief glimpse here and there. Yeah. And since this is both video and audio, for those of you listening on the podcast only, how 
how would you describe this cluster of lights? Like a foot across or six inches or big and tall? And did it move? I'm so curious. I would say it was about the size of, um, let's say, a softball or a grapefruit. So, oh. you know, about that size. Yeah. And it was like dozens of little lights, just little tiny lights of all these different colors, just sparking mm. like a sparkler, yeah. but kind of contained in, in a global type of formation, yeah. not moving. shooting out. And moving, right? And moving. And moving. Wow. I love that. Do you know what gets me is I, I remember uh, Lynn Hollihan, who's in Helping Parents Heal, one of the caring listeners, described when they were looking for her son, this this ball of light moving through her bedroom. You know, so there are so many different ways the spirit shows up. We can't just say, look for the sparkling lights or look for that orb. It's just everybody has different stories. And that one is just beautiful. So how about the bluebirds? Did we come back to them in some magical way? The bluebirds, they have become a theme in my life. Um, mm. As I mentioned, they were rare in my neighborhood prior to January 2014. Uh, they've become more of a prominent feature in the winter here. Huh. Uh, last year, they were showing up a lot. Uh, we have some bushes out here that get red berries and these bluebirds have decided that these are are their territory. Mm -hmm. And so they've started coming in the winter to munch on those berries. Um, but I'll, I'll give you one example of a remarkable bluebird sign, uh, which happened uh, about a year after Matthew died. He died January 28th. So let's move forward. It's December 25th, oh. 2014. Okay. I get up in the morning. And I'm having a hard morning. This is my first Christmas without my son. And it's it's starting to hit me. And I'm sitting on the bed and I'm looking out my window and I'm just feeling a lot of grief and, you know, hoping he's fine and wishing that he was there. And suddenly I hear some noises outside the window. I see some movement and I look and there's one of these bushes with the berries and there's birds sitting there eating these berries. I don't know what kind of birds they were at that moment, but there were birds there. And then something moved a little bit beyond where the birds were sitting on a tree stump. I looked and there was this big, beautiful blue jay sitting on the stump, not 10 feet from my window. And I look at that blue jay and he's not noticing me. He's looking off in the distance. And I say, oh, Matt, that's beautiful. I love the bluebird you sent me. Thank you. And I no sooner finished thinking that than that blue jay turned its head and looked at me, directly at me. I know that it was acknowledging mm. what I was feeling, that Matthew had sent me this Christmas gift. So that was like the greatest Christmas gift my son could have sent me that year. Uh, I just loved it. So that was a remarkable sign. With and, and I, I want to say for anybody who's new to to these stories about how our loved ones across the veil let us know that they're with us you may hear something like that and say okay a bird looked at you but these moments come with a knowing in the heart it's because our loved ones send it and they're in our hearts at that moment and and the way you describe this you had no doubt that that was Matthew none none whatsoever become the bird but as we've learned that they can guide and direct birds and animals and insects to to make certain actions and let us know they're thinking of us it's amazing what they can do even in you know in the process of getting this book ready in in the last year uh once i had one lady who helped me do the first editing and she gave me suggestions on you know, how to format your story and, and you know, present it. She, she's an older gal who had um, taught for many, many years writing and had published her own books. She calls me one day, just as we had finished that last, you know, um, draft. She says, you're not going to believe this. But when I sent you that email, I opened my window and there were bluebirds outside on the juniper tree. <laughs> I've never seen them before. Oh, so I thought, oh, that is that's super, right? That is just so, so cool. That is great. Yeah. And it's, again, you know, what's the rarity of that 
occurring. This is what helps us know these are really signs from the spirit world just saying, you're on track. I'm around. You're being guided. Yeah. yeah. And when did you and I meet? Okay. We met in, let me think now. It was in March 2016, I believe. You had come to Arizona and uh, you did several workshops and classes and you did a presentation at Unity in Phoenix. And I signed up for the workshops and the classes and uh, got to meet with you. I believe that's when I gave Ty that shirt uh, <laughs> from Sedona yeah. and, um, you know, just connected with you. And then um, with some of the other people who were in the classes, although it took a little time for me to connect with them, but I soon learned that others such as Brenda and, and Lynette were part of these classes and uh, we these are classes friends. in learning how to connect yourself with your own loved ones across the veil. Uh, had you known about mediumship or spirit communication before Matthew passed? Before Matthew passed, my knowledge on that field was pretty limited. Uh, I knew of mediums. I knew that there were people who could communicate with spirit. My mother had an interest in a some of that field. Uh, I remember her watching like Dr. Richard Ireland on the Johnny Carson show oh, back in the 60s. Yeah. And, and it was my mother who had the Edgar Casey interest. Uh, there was some degree of knowledge, but it wasn't something I really pursued. I had not had a personal experience with mediumship or spirit communications or and, and this is one I love what I love just to tell everybody and now you are one <laughs> uh, I don't think you're practicing professionally correct I am not practicing professionally at this point in time my life has been rather busy you know with writing the book and I work for Suzanne Wilson as her yeah. client service manager and I have another here. book in the works so I've oh, been kind of busy Yes, yeah. yeah, she's the the she helps Suzanne Wilson schedule her readings. And so you are just thoroughly immersed in the field of mediumship, whether or not you're working as a medium. So that's awesome. I am. And the second book I'm working on uh, is called Finding the Medium Within. And it will be more of a detailed story on my attendance at classes and what I've learned and some of those steps I took to get where I am, because Excellent. there are a lot of miracles and incredible moments in that part of my life in learning how to be a medium and then connecting with spirit. Okay. So Matthew, put in your mom's mind right now, the one story on her journey that's going in that book that you want her to share right now. I, I know a story that he wants me to share. And I know that it, it is a story that involves you, Miss Giesman, and Miss Wilson. And I have a little bit of it in my book, but uh, it's the story of how Matthew was involved in my working for who I work for today. I got the goosebumps again. This is more than most shows, but I remember this. So it's a good one. Good. It's a good one. Yeah. Yes. So as I recall, uh, I got a call from you one Sunday, and this was in early 2017. I'm thinking late January, maybe very early February. And you're calling by cell phone, and I'm like, oh my God, why is Suzanne Giesman calling me? This is unusual. And I answer the phone. We were communicating. We weren't really friends. You were a student, and we had communicated. You gave Ty the t shirt. It was that kind of relationship, right? Correct. Um, so I answer the phone and you say, oh, hi, how are you doing? And I'm, well, I'm doing fine. And you said, I'm calling because uh, I need to ask, do you know Suzanne Wilson? And, you know, kind of threw me off. And I go, I do know Suzanne Wilson. I had attended a couple of Helping Parents Heal meetings in, in a couple of years time. She was a presenter, uh, you know, I, I know who she is. I had met her once, just a brief hello. That's all, that's as much as I knew on Suzanne Wilson. And you said, well, 
she called me and she's looking for an assistant. She needs somebody who can work part-time and help out with her clients and, and do that kind of thing. Would you be interested? Well, I just about fell out of my chair because A, I wasn't looking for work and B, you're calling me to see if I would be interested in working for somebody who's All a medium. people, right? Like, what? <laughs> so I said, uh, yeah, I guess I would be interested. Now, I knew that I had taken these classes with you. And if you're calling and thinking I have enough information to assist somebody else who's a medium, I guess I'm doing pretty good. So I said, yeah, I, I'd be interested if I could work from home because I knew Suzanne Wilson is down in the valley in the carefree area. And I didn't want to have to be driving down there to do any of the work. And you said, oh, I'm absolutely sure you can work from home. So I said, sure, I'd be interested. So we left it at that. A little while later, I get a call from Suzanne Wilson and we start talking. She said, yes, I'd called Suzanne Giesman and told her I was looking for an assistant. And did she know anyone? And she said she had someone maybe in mind. When I hung up the phone, my ceiling fan kicked on. And I'm sitting there with my husband and we're looking at the fan and it's going and the remote is on the table. And we're like, why is that ceiling fan going on? <laughs> and I said, oh, that's probably my son, <laughs> your son. And I said, yeah, I have a son in spirit. But at my house, he had installed the ceiling fans in my kitchen and dining area. And when I have people visiting, family, his girlfriend, whomever, sometimes those fans kick on when we start talking about him. So I'm pretty sure he has something to do with that. that so and cool. Suzanne Wilson says, oh, wait a minute. Okay, hold on, hold on. All right, I see your son. He is standing there right next to you. His hand is on his shoulder and he's or on your shoulder and he's saying, yeah, I did that. So my son knew you, Suzanne, because yeah. you had given me a reading on Mother's Day in 2016. And you had made a connection with him. So he waited until early 2017 when I was going through a struggle in my life, wondering where am I going and what am I doing? And nobody's here and feeling, you know, that pity party. He stepped in and said, mom needs a job. I'm going to arrange it. And there it was. That's so cool. Yeah, there's no doubt. He pulled some strings and did some connecting there. Very, very cool. Now, when did Sal pass? Sal passed January 1st, 2016. So uh, two years after Matthew had died, Sal passed here so at the he house. Passed I when in. I did the reading for you. I seem to remember he came through in that reading. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Do you remember he any of the through. evidence from our reading? We love the evidence. I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> it was a remarkable reading. Now, mind you, I had only had one other reading with a medium after Matthew had died a few months after he had died. And I started reading about afterlife and spirit communication. I had a medium reading, which helped me understand why Matthew left and some of the process that he went through in that leaving. A year later, I had um, lost Sal. I'd started taking the classes with you. And I had talked to you about, well, someday I'd like to have a reading. I knew that you had a long wait list. And you said, well, go ahead and put your name in. You never know what will happen. A couple of weeks later, it's a Saturday. It's Mother's Day weekend. I'm feeling like, you know, oh, this is getting harder. No, Sal. No, Matt. This life. Oh, I'm so sad. And phone rings and it was Suzanne Geisman. Got <laughs> knocked on the shoulder by spirit. Called by Anne. <laughs> Uh, this is like the night before Mother's Day. And you said, Diane, um, would you like a reading tomorrow? And I'm like, huh? What? I couldn't believe my ears. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So we made the arrangements the next morning. We connected. Uh, first one stepping in was Sal. Mm -hmm. And he came in in a remarkable way that I don't know if you've had this happen you know, since uh, I did mention it to you last time we talked, uh, Sal came in and he was showing you standing on a mountain and he's got snakes crawling up to him and he's talking to them and they're going off. Yeah. Do you know what that means, Diane? And actually, I understood exactly what that meant. Very unusual opening for my husband to do, but 
Sal was a big follower of Carlos Castaneda. He had been a shaman's apprentice when he was young. I'm hearing and the word curandera, curandera. Curandera, shaman. You even mentioned, I believe, Don Juan and, and Carlos Castaneda in the reading. Oh. So oh. Sal was bringing evidence through that I would understand. No one else in his family knew what Sal had done in his past and what his interests were along these lines. I knew. And so for him to come in with that kind of remarkable evidence was, you know, absolutely astounding to me. And the reading went on. He had some other things that he brought forth, which were pretty incredible. Um, but towards the end of it, you said, well, uh, I hope that's, you know, what you were hoping to get. And I said, well, Suzanne, being Mother's Day, I kind of thought my son might step in. And you said, oh, you have a son in spirit? Oh. See, I didn't okay. even know I was set up for Mother's Day. And he would, he would just, so you could hear from Sal. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah. And you said, well, what's his name? And I said, Matthew. And you said, well, okay, let me see if I can get Matthew. And you tried to tune in and nothing was happening. So you said, well, I'm really sorry. You know, sometimes it works out that way. But, you know, at least, you know, we had a great reading. And I said, well, I thank you very, very much for what we got. This was remarkable. So we finished, hung up. Ten minutes later, you're calling me back. And you said, I've got Matthew here. <laughs> so he came back. And he started uh, giving you messages and you relayed what he was providing. And you know, again, as I, it was evidence. I have to tell you, as I hear that, I always hear things through a skeptic's mind. What would a skeptic say? A skeptic would say, oh, well, she screwed up in the reading. So she went and Googled him. Right. right? Spent right. 10 right. minutes finding out everything she could on that. That is what a skeptic would say. So please, right. for skeptics who are watching. I don't remember this reading. I don't even remember that happening. So this is very interesting. So what came through that convinced you that I had not Googled your son, that it was him? Okay. There was some parts of the evidence that there was no way you would have known. For instance, Matthew talked about his biological father. Now, mind you, you know, I was divorced when Matthew was born, but there were custody issues over the years. And Matthew and his dad had a lot of interactions, some of them not the greatest. There was a secret that Matthew did not know. It came through in the reading. Oh, wow. His dad had attacked me when I was seven months pregnant and, and beat me up on a city street in downtown Phoenix. This came through in the reading not the specific location but i know my dad attacked you and beat you up i know you had issues with my dad yeah. that alone was there's no way anyone would have known that nobody on this earth except my family because you know i relied on them after this happened that alone says hey you know this hey skeptics no this is the real yeah. deal yeah, I just want to acknowledge that that even today, even I, you know, if there's this, if that had happened to me, that somebody comes back ten minutes later, that's the human tendency to doubt this is real, to think that you're going to be tricked, that you're going to go online, and any ethical medium would never do that. And we say to the spirits, "You need to give us something that you can't find on Google. You need to give us something that will let them know there's no person that would know that except my son or my loved one across the veil." So, wow, I completely forgotten that that that's thank you spirit that was a good one that was remarkable i mean there were other items that aren't coming to mind right now that no one could have found but that in itself said it all it's like oh matthew now knows somehow you go over in spirit and you are able to see some of the things that maybe your people down on earth had experienced that you weren't aware of so i thought that was exactly pretty interesting right. yeah so by the time sal passed what had happened in your spiritual journey and your understanding of the afterlife that perhaps made his transition easier? A couple of things that happened after, you know, Matthew had died. Um, somebody recommended that I do some reading and learn about mediumship. So I started doing that. And I read a lot of books by a lot of different people, uh, including books by you. And it helped me open up to those possibilities of the afterlife and learn a little bit about what spirit might be doing over there and everything's fine. As I said, I had a medium reading in 2015, which really led me to know that spirit's fine. My mother came in in the reading and a friend 
uh, of a friend of mine, uh, no, a child of a friend of mine also came in, in the reading. So it's like, wow, who would have known that? So it opened me up to those possibilities and intrigued me to learn more. I was a research analyst in part of my career. And so when you give me something to pursue, oh boy, I am going to study this and learn what I can. So I was learning as much as I could. And in doing so, it helped me during the days I was dealing with Sal. It would give me time to be distracted from some of the hard times I had with him. But it also helped me be aware of some of the things that he might say. For instance, he would be, you know, a little bit lost and he'd say, oh, well, my mom was here with Matthew. Well, his mom had died in the 50s. And so I didn't know her, Matthew didn't know her, but Sal is telling me that his mother and my son all had been visiting him. It's like, well, that's pretty remarkable. If you if you are a caregiver and you've got your person in hospice and they're saying things like that, usually the hospice doctors will say, well, they're hallucinating. I knew better. Yeah. I knew better because of my experiences and what I learned about afterlife and communications and spirit. I knew Sal saw his mother. I knew Matthew was there. Absolutely. Another time, Matthew, uh, Sal says to me, oh, Matthew came and told me that he is learning how to help people when they die and that he's going to be there when I die. That, <laughs> what do you do with that? It's like, oh my my son came and told Sal, hey, I'm learning how to help you, and I'm going to be there when you pass over. How remarkable, how wonderful for Sal to hear that from spirit, and then for me yeah. to know that, hey, he's not hallucinating. Yes, Matthew would come and tell him, I'll be there for you. So these little snippets, there's several little stories about these spiritual connections that Sal had that I understood were verifiable, were true. I mean, I believe that these people were coming and talking to Sal. And I believe it helped me with him, helped me be the person to help him then pass over to the other side. I was there the whole time and had him home the whole time. And at the very last, you know, when he he's on hospice, he's he's closing down he hadn't been eating or drinking for several days we knew the time was coming he couldn't talk he couldn't really respond and react with us but at the very end suddenly his face got bright he looked at me he said and it was a whisper because he couldn't really speak he said I love you he took a couple of breaths and he was gone and I knew that when he passed that he was fine those were his last words yeah. Wow. There's yeah. a blessing. That was a blessing. Hmm. Shortly after he passed, I, you know, do what you do. You get him ready. I had two of his kids with me. We got him ready. We finally made the call for hospice to come and get him. I had walked to the kitchen window and I looked outside and a hawk flew right in front of me, in front of my kitchen window. And I felt it was Sal's bird saying goodbye hmm. as it went by more goosebumps with that one yeah yeah huh do you still get signs from either one of them a lot i do a lot i do <laughs> I get signs i matt more so than sal matt likes to play around with me i'll get like the cell phone you'll get a text message you know how you get random text messages from somebody they're soliciting and it'll be like Hi, this is Matthew from Autoglass. And it's oh, like, great. what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, what are the odds? I love that. Right, what are the odds? You go out to eat. I went out to eat one time with, with a, a group and go to a restaurant and it was for my birthday. Waiter comes up, waiter's name, Matthew. Well, oh. I think that's kind of a sign, you know, oh, I'm yeah. taking that. You um, bet. Yeah, it's just those little things. Um, I just took a trip to Egypt incredible journey but at one point one day i don't know how many times as we're driving on the bus i'd look out and i'd see something like bluebird vans and it's like bluebird vans in egypt bluebird vans then another place there's a store bluebird store and it's like wait this is in english bluebird 
okay, I'm taking that from Matt. Yeah, he's drawing my attention to say, hey, mom, look at the bluebird in yeah. Egypt. And yeah. that's what they do. I just want to make everybody aware that it's that's the signs are around us, but we can easily miss them. And our loved ones grab our attention and it's like, turn your head, look there, and you see it. It's just beautiful. And it comes with that lift, that knowing we were talking about earlier. Oh, definitely. It, it comes. You know, it's it's one of these, it'll come out of the blue, yeah. left and right. But those are the ones I'm thinking of at the moment. There's so many others that Matthew has sent. And sometimes they're just little things. One day, Sal sent me one. My home phone rings. I have caller ID, right? I pick it up and the caller ID says Salvador and it's our home number. Whoa. Now, I don't know. If anyone else has had their home number call you on your home phone, but mine did one day, and I'm like, oh, I don't understand that. I actually answered, said hello. There was no one there, but course. it's like, what in the world is going on here? They're busy. They're doing a good job. They yeah. are awesome. Wow. So, I know a great theme of your book is resilience, and I know that. It's Sal and Matthew across the veil, you know, urging you on, giving you those signs, but now you get to share it with others and, and encourage them. And that's what your book does. Again, tell us the title and how people can find it. Okay. The title again is Living and Loving Life All Day, Every Day. The book is on Amazon.com. You can order it there. Um, it's also, we're trying to get it set up where you can go into your local bookstore and order it from them. Uh, that should be ready any day now. Um, I have a website at diannecalderon.com. You can go in there. I'm still developing it, so it's a little rough, but I have contact information in there if you need to contact me. Um, I think it's a really beautiful book. It's a good story for people who have lost people, you know, loved ones. They have folks over in spirit, and they're wondering you know, is my person okay? What's it like over in heaven? Can I contact them? It gives you a little bit of that insight from my own perspective and experience. It also gives you a little story on how you can move forward. You'll never get over grief. Grief is always a part of your life, but you can move with it. You can move through it to some extent. You can reach a point where the grief isn't all consuming because you know that your people in spirit are okay and they're there for you and they're around you and they're sending you signs and they're trying to communicate with you. And when you get settled into a space where you can accept that, then you begin to get that signs, the messages, the, the feeling. I often get that, that beautiful feeling of them being around me. It's yeah. just incredible. In Egypt, I could feel Matt a lot. He mm. was like right here on my left a mm. lot. It would just tingle. And I knew it was Matt. Uh, yeah. He was so excited that I was in Egypt. He used to give me books on Egypt. Oh, so I know that he was excited about this trip. Yeah. So, you know, my story is a transformational one. I went from not knowing much of anything and curious about the afterlife, but not really knowing what it meant to now understanding, to hearing from my loved ones and in learning mediumship, hearing from the loved ones of others, from having sitters and having their loved ones come in and getting the feeling or the sense of how spirits do communicate and and, and the love that they send their people here on earth. So oh, this I hope that anyone interested in the book, you know, would would read it. It's It's got some parts that'll make you cry and it's got some parts that'll make you laugh uh but overall it's i think hopeful helpful and healing Absolutely. and inspiring yeah the the subtitle a mother's story of loss love and connecting with the afterlife and and reading other people's stories like yours really opens us up to the idea that we can do this too and it helps us understand how the signs come and what to look for so you've done a beautiful job and it's very very well written so congratulations thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll, I'll say something um kind of to close i guess uh if you do get the book uh if you look on the back cover there's a picture of matthew holding a rainbow this is a photo i had taken uh 
two and a half years before he had passed. We're sitting outside. There's a thunderstorm that had rolled through the area and a rainbow had appeared. And Matthew had come out and he was talking to me. And I saw the rainbow behind him. And I said, oh, Matt, quick, go get my camera. I'm going to take a picture. So he ran in the house, came out, handed me the camera. And I said, okay, I want you to put your hands up. And I positioned him and the camera in such a way that I got off two or three pictures of him holding up this rainbow. That's cool. So when we were getting his, uh, his, you know, his celebration of life gathering put together, because we didn't do a regular funeral, we just did a party. That was Matthew. Um, that became the theme photo. As we were putting the book together, uh, Joe Higgins helped me finalize the book and helped me on you know, getting the publication and everything set up. And Joe told me one day, your son is uh, telling me that he wants to be recognized on the back cover. He wants that photo of him holding the rainbow. Oh. So we worked it into the back cover. So and that Joe was didn't Matthew. know about that photo, right? He did not. I don't know if I had told him about that photo or not. He might have seen it because I have it on my Facebook page. Okay. Um, I know he's a medium as well. Yeah. Right. He is. And, you know, Matthew often dropped in on Joe with some interesting things. One night he dropped in on one of Joe's classes and played with the computer so that the person they were going to practice it couldn't join. And it ended up being Matthew Knight in Joe's class as he's interacting with the students. So, oh, that's yeah. yeah, that that's Matthew. He he latches on to people and uh, enjoys playing around with them. So he may start bugging you Suzanne <laughs> again <laughs> be prepared yeah again yeah I just I just want to end by saying I remember a time when you were going through a very hard time before you were working for Suzanne mm -hmm. and you reached out to me and you said I just can't stand coming home to this empty house do you remember that do you remember I, I remember it clearly um if you want to hear the long of it um it was January 1st 2017 it had been one year from Sal's death. I thought I had my stuff together. I had learned a lot. I'd read a lot. I'd had taken some classes, you know, hey, I can handle the one year anniversary. No problem, guys. So I'm going to do my meditation. And I often would play something on my computer, one of the meditation um, downloads that I had. So I opened up the computer on January 1st, 2017. And I'm looking and I have these little icons and at the very bottom right of my screen is a meditation. So I tap it so that would play, get settled. And instead, the song that's playing is My Way by a group called Il Devo. Now, My Way was the one song Sal had told me over the years he wanted played at his funeral. Hmm. When I set up the arrangements for his funeral, I chose the version by Il Divo because it's a mix of English and Spanish. It's beautiful. And Sal was a Spanish speaking, you know, by birth. So that is what's playing. And it threw me for a loop and I just crashed and burned. It's like, okay, Sal, you're playing that instead of my meditation and I miss you. And I just collapsed. And this grief lasted day after day after day. A week later, uh, one night, I'm getting ready to go to bed and I'm thinking about my life and I'm thinking, I don't know what's going on. I'm just stagnating. I'm just, I need to find a purpose. What am I doing here? I just felt rotten. Uh, up to that point, I had been reading Sadaya and the Daily Message. I put it in my mind or out into the universe, Sadaya. I need something tomorrow. I Hang need on just a something. Sec. Hang on just a sec. What Diane's talking about is the Awaken Way Daily Way messages that you can get on my website or at dailyway.org or in the free Awaken Way app. Every day, a message from my guides, Sanaya. So you reached out to them and said- I reached out. Oh. I did. I said, I need something. I just, I don't know what to do. I need something. Next morning, I get up. And when I got around to opening the computer, I pulled up the daily comment from Sanaya. And the very first word on the screen I saw was stagnation. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That was what was on my mind last night. Oh, my gosh. So then I read the, the message and it resonated completely with me. I mean, everything in that message resonated. It was hopeful. It was 
making me feel better. It's like, oh, oh, yes, I need to, I need to get over this, this feeling. There is a better life out there. Scrolled up and there's the photo. And the photo had a picture of a feather. And the feather was sticking out of a ring and it was sitting on a piece of paper. Now, mind you, Suzanne, that night between my request to Sanaya and getting up and opening up the computer and seeing this, I had had a dream. In this dream, I was visiting you and Ty at your house. Now, wow. I didn't know what your house looked like, never been there. But in the dream, I'm at your house. Sal is with me. We take our leave. He's walking a little bit ahead of me. We're walking down a path. He stops, turns, and looks at me, then looks at the ground, and there is a grayish-purple feather on the ground. That was the dream. So here I am the next morning. There's stagnation from Sanaya. There's a beautiful meaning to the message, and there's this photo of a feather in a ring on a piece of paper. Like a wedding struck me. And, and they like always wedding tell wedding. me what photo. They guide me with the search terms to this collage of photos, and they say, that photo every day when I post the messages. Now I know why. Now you know why. And yes, I saw it as a wedding ring. And this feather made me think of with the paper that my story has yet to be written. That's what dropped into my head. My story has yet to be written. And Sal was pointing this out. So I'm reading the comments that are following the message on Facebook and several, you had said something in your message that this is for someone in particular, but you didn't say who. And so several of the people are writing in the comments, well, I think it might be for me and they're giving their reasons. And I knew it was for me, but I didn't want to burst anyone's bubble because, hey, everybody's getting something from the message and I'm not going to interfere with that. So I emailed you personally and I explained to you, you know, what I had, you know, asked for what I had dreamed and what had come up that morning and that I knew that message was for me. And you responded, yes, that was for you, Diane. And then we had a little back and forth about, you know, some ideas on what I could do to sort of move out of that stagnation and get on with life. And then it was two or three or four weeks later when I heard from you about a job opportunity with Suzanne Wilson. So you see how things sort of worked in. That's amazing. And I remember the, the advice I gave you at that time was, if you don't want to come home to the empty house, go out and work with people or animals so mm -hmm. much so that when you walk back in the door, you say, oh, thank God, some time to myself. You go. In, in any case, it was all about service to others to let, get our minds off our own pain. And you have really done such a beautiful job of that, Diane, you know, with, with helping Suzanne Wilson and now writing your book and a second book and giving talks like this, coming on the show to share your hard-learned lessons, but but the, to demonstrate that you can find joy again, especially knowing that your loved ones are still with you. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I'd like to just add one little comment. On that feather image, it's been important to me all along. And it come in the dream. It came in that message from Sanaya. Um, when I was working on a cover for the book, uh, I wanted something that would relate to a bluebird, couldn't find anything that worked. And Joe Higgins came up with this really nice design, which is this blue feather. Oh. So I thought that just really ties everything in. There's the feather that I was getting in 2017, a uh, little bit different color, but it's the blue for the bluebird. And bluebird, so this yeah. is kind of an important theme, I think, for the story, because my story hadn't been written yet. And yeah. now it's in this book. And I didn't know you had that connection with me and Dream and you were visiting Ty and me here in my home. So that that makes it extra special. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Matthew and Sal, for being part of this story. Thank you, Diane, for coming on the show. And uh, good luck writing your next one. We'll have to talk to everybody and let them know when that one comes out. Definitely. Thank you very much. Thank you all for joining us. I know that just I knew it was going to be uplifting and, and it surprised me even more than I knew. So I hope you enjoyed it. Please click subscribe if you enjoyed the show so you won't miss a show. Also, head over to my homepage. We talked about me teaching people that didn't know they could do mediumship to learn to connect. And I have several events coming up featured right there on the homepage where you can meet me in person or online and learn how to do this yourself. 
And big news we've announced there. You can even join me on a 10-day cruise in the Mediterranean next year where you can live, learn to live the awakened way and learn a lot of these tools yourself. So check out my homepage, new design, nice and uh, bright and uplifting, just like Diane's book. So see you back here next week and have a very great week. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.